going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is season two. That's right. Season two. Episode 46 of the podcast. I feel like calling it season two because I took a little bit of break there. I started the podcast right around this time last year with the NFL draft. Now we're past this year's draft. Took a couple weeks off. I had a lot going on. You know, After like the draft ended, I need a little bit of a break. I've been working pretty pretty hard on the draft going up to it, and now, you know, the moment that ended, I was ready to like kind of take a breather. Uh, I also had to move. I fractured my ankle because I'm an idiot, and uh, yeah, I just think it was a, a good time for a little vacation away from podcasting. But I'm back, and there is a lot to cover. Uh, first of all, yeah, I like calling it season two. You know, you get that like extra oomph out of it. You know, like. Arrested Development Season 2 really kicked it up a notch. Breaking Bad, House of Cards is another one. My favorite is Parks and Rec. I mean, I feel like they did a complete turnaround. The Office, too. You know, you see a lot of differences in characters and stuff. So, yeah, you know what? Season 2, give it a little bit of a spruce, a little jump up and ready to roll. It is May 17th. Uh, we have, uh, you've missed a lot. You know, I've, I could have covered a lot in the last couple weeks. First of all, you know, we had... The, the NFL draft ended. I'm not going to pick winners and losers here. I've talked ad nauseum about the draft, but I will say that I'm very happy with what the Browns did. First of all, they got my guy, Baker Mayfield. I didn't, I didn't think it was really going to happen. Uh, going up to the draft, it seemed like they're going in a lot of different directions. And then two days before the draft, it seemed like Baker Mayfield was getting the talk, and I was like, Man, that would be something. I'm a big fan of his. Everyone knows that. I'm really excited for him to be in Cleveland, and I'm really excited going forward with training camp to see if he gets some time, if he has to wait. It's all some fun stuff. But we'll get to the Browns in a little bit because there's more breaking news there. But what else have I missed? Parker House opener. Yeah, that's right. That was last Friday. Some people say I'm too old to be running around the Parker House. You know, I turned 29 this summer. Sister says, Jake, prime's behind you. You know, you you don't got it anymore. And to that I said, I'm going to spend $120 tonight, prove you wrong, and fall asleep at DJ's later. Showed her, huh? Because I did all those things. I'm not aging out of Parker House. You know, like, I know that the crowd there is much younger. I think I just need to transition more to some Saturday nights instead of the Friday night rush. Maybe spend a little less time in the basement jumping and yelling at the band when I could be uh, just chilling and having a couple casual beers upstairs. I just need to find that right transition. The friends are also going to be a big play in this, you know. We got the core members, Chris, Lauren, and Bill. What are they going to be doing this summer? I know we've got a couple VIP cards in there, which that's a whole issue right now with the whole reordering of the uh, of the VIP cards. I, I might be in a little bit of trouble. I'll find out more this weekend, but. You know, if I don't have my wingmen, you know, we we've been we've been compared to the Warriors recently. You know, the four of us saying like, "Hey, listen, you know, uh, together they're a dynamic squad and they're unbeatable, but alone, you know, it's just one guy." So that'll be interesting. But Parker House, man, it's just it's just a great time of the year. Everybody knows. I'm a big April into May fan. You know, like every time you flip the calendar. Every month of the year, you flip the calendar 12 times. You know, what's the best feeling when you see that blank month ahead? And I think it's May. You know, a lot of people will say, well, no, it's, uh, it's you know, it's June. You know, I like June. It's, it's, a, it's a long summer month. It's hot the whole time. I'm like, yeah, but a lot of my favorite events are in May. 
you know, and you have the whole summer after May coming up. You have the Kentucky Derby. You have uh, the playoffs are heating up in both baseball, or I'm sorry, in basketball and hockey. You have baseball season is really starting to heat up. You know, April baseball is meh. You know, you still have bad weather. You don't really know how teams are are, are just yet, but May baseball is heating up. The NFL, it's like the one month of the NFL that really it doesn't do much. You have the, uh, as Lefko puts it, like the whoa big off seasons in the NFL for for May. But really, it's not a NFL month. You sometimes you get some big boxing matches this month, and it's just the turn of the season. It's just the moment May hits. I'm like, yes, we're here. We made it. We're done. Boom. So I'm excited uh, to say the least. And you know, Parker House is part of that. Uh, I'm not too old for it. You know, the cards though. Cards are interesting. We're talking non-transferable cards right now which is really interesting because uh, we bought our cards from someone else. So we're going to have to call in a couple favors, see if we can really get these under our names or else I might not be hitting that over. And for those wondering, there are over-unders this year on Parker House attendance. I know that doesn't really apply to everybody, but for those who are, I have the highest over at 12 and a half. So I've got to get there 13 times this summer if I'm going to make it. And I only have one. I made it one time last weekend. Should have probably splurged to get the second time in, you know. But Sunday was Mother's Day. Saturday was uh, I already had plans Saturday, so I wasn't really going to be able to work. So maybe get a one or two in this weekend and really kick it up. Because if I get three a month, I'll get there. Anyway, the big news recently is the NBA playoffs. You know, you came in Cavaliers, Pacers, Cavs were getting worked in a couple of those games. The supporting characters didn't really show up. LeBron was there each night looking awesome, but you know, throw, watching that and saying, man, the Cavs not, might not make it out of Series 1, you know, the first round. That was a real thought going through a lot of people's heads. But at the end of the day, you said, you know, they have LeBron James, and when it matters, he just makes it happen. And he did, and they did, and they rebounded, and they won in Game 7. That was actually the day I fractured my ankle moving out of my apartment, so not a great day, but we got Game 7 out of it, and they won. Then they moved on to Toronto, who has more or less been... Look, I don't have a younger brother, but I feel like if I did, that is what it would feel like. You know, Even though Toronto came in, they were the top seed, they're in the best stretch of franchise history. They have the best bench unit in the NBA. They have two all-stars starting. They're just a completely rounded, well-rounded team. They have the NBA coach of the year. Really, you, they have everything you would want except for LeBron James. And at the end of the day, that was the only thing that mattered. LeBron hit a game winner. He had a huge comeback in game one. That kind of took the life out of their sails. Then the pieces started showing up, and they rolled Toronto, swept them in four. It was uh, it was pretty embarrassing for Toronto, but look, now he, you know they fired Dwayne Casey. They're talking about trading one of their all stars. It's unbelievable that a team that has been so great for the last couple years, you know, they lose ten straight to the Cavaliers. And I mean, you know, I know it's because of LeBron. Uh, I'm not. That's not. Look, I'm not blind. I'm not. I'm you know. I'm not dumb. I know that that's the reason the Cavs are in this run right now. But 
This is what the Eastern Conference is. It's LeBron's. Now, we enter the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Boston is the higher seed. Boston is somewhat of an underdog, even though they're the higher seed, because they don't have LeBron. Now, I was just in a Twitter debate with a friend of mine, Stephen Lorenzo, about how some franchises are never really the underdogs. Now, this kind of is different, you know. Even though I'm not, I'm not in take seating seating out of it because LeBron has proven that NBA regular season doesn't matter. LeBron is the Eastern Conference finalist favorite every time because he's won it seven straight years, trying to win it in eighth. So I understand that he has set a new precedent. And I understand that even though Boston has the 17 championships and the 40-something Hall of Famers, you know, it's just, you know, they're a bit of an underdog because they have this young, scrappy team that you'll want to root for. Now, not all of them are young and want to root for. I have my issues with Hal Horford. Uh, if you don't know, I, I, look, ever since his Atlanta days, he was always big on shit talking. He back to, you know, forget Atlanta. Go back to Florida when he was in college. He loved to play it up in front of the camera. He loved to talk shit. They were great. They got away with doing that. If you're great, if you're going to talk shit, as long as you back it up, that's fine by me. Like, I'm going to hate you, but at least you're consistent. So, that was his thing. He went to Atlanta. He was like, you know, they had some really good seasons, but then they got beasted by the Cavs in the playoffs. Then he goes to Boston, and they lose in five in the Eastern Conference Finals, including like a shellacking. Yet he still talks. He talks trash. He's like yelling at other players. His sister is on on the internet like yelling at, and, and calling for the Cavs, saying they're dirty and shit like that. And It's always been bad blood between Al Horford and the Cavs, and I've made my... I've made my opinion about him pretty known by now. I don't like him, and he's one of the guys I don't like on the team. Marcus Morris or Markeith, whichever one that is, don't be tricked by his recent success to think that this guy is actually good. He's the perfect example of Brad Stevens getting the most out of a player because if you trade for whatever Morris this is this offseason, you're going to be severely disappointed when he comes in and he's just an eight and six guy each night. It's like, yeah, I guess he's good enough to start at power forward, but he's he's out there. He's making all the Celtics fans love him. I get it. They win game one in blowout fashion. The Cavs don't look worried. Afterwards, LeBron looks like a professor. He says, I'm zero. 0.0% worried about this series, you know, or whatever he says. Some guys are chuckling. I mean, they got brutally shellacked in that game one. Then they come out game two, two nights later. They, LeBron came out, let's just say, LeBron came out firing. He had like 21 in the first quarter. They only led by like four or five at that point. At halftime, they led by seven. They should have been up like 11. They really they really pissed it away in the last two minutes where it was up 11. And it's like, get that to 15, you know, start to put this away. They only had it up by seven. Uh, they kind of like, you know, fucked around for the, like the most of the third quarter where they were up five minutes left. They're only up three. Then there was a big three-point play. They just looked so lazy. They wouldn't hit a single open shot, and they pissed the game away to a point where 
they took out the starters with two minutes left and they just accepted 0-2. And it sucks because you have to wait from Tuesday to Saturday for game three. It would have been so great to get out of Boston with one game to say, hey, we're 1-1 and we're going home and we have LeBron James. That would have been totally fine by me. I would have totally accepted that. Instead, they're down 0-2. And the Celtics, if you haven't heard, don't lose down 0-2. And the Cavs have looked like crap. J.R. Smith was even like, you know, shoving guys after plays and kind of looking dirty. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to defend it. It was a bad move. He even said after the game, he was like, it was kind of a dirty move. He's not going to get suspended for it. But giving Boston fans what they want is not a good idea, right? We melted down in game two. We are giving all those loud mouths exactly what they want, which sucks because they fully believe in this whole, like, no one expects it from us thing. No one, you know, thought we'd be here. And granted, without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, the, the odds were stacked against them. But to give a franchise like that, that has this prestige and this championship caliber and this bar that they've set so high, and to give them the underdog card and allow them to run with it is so infuriating. Especially when you're Cleveland, who, you know, outside of 2016, when we finally broke the 52 years of championship drought, you know, Cleveland is the losers of sports. That's what they do. You know, Boston Celtics, they're the cream of the crop. They're right up there with the Yankees, which, you know, and Duke basketball. Uh, Carolina basketball, Bama football, the ones where it's like anything short of a championship is usually not okay. It's not acceptable. We accept championships alone. So those empires of their sports, of their leagues, to see them be able to get away with the whole we're the underdogs thing, and I get it, they kind of are the underdogs, even though they're the higher seed, and even though they've had, you know, whatever, championships, 17, I think, Celtics have, but to see them run with that really stings, especially when you're Cleveland. And we go back to last fall when the Indians played the Yankees, and the Indians were up 2-0, and were really close to sweeping. They would, you know, it was a tie game. You know, Carlos Carrasco in Game Three was pitching lights out, and it was like zeros across the board. Aaron Judge robs a home run by Frankie Lindor, which would have been like the spark the Tribe needed. And then Miller hangs a curveball and obviously was horrible against Greg Bird. one nothing Yankees. They win that game. Could have been a toss-up. Could have been an easy sweep for the Indians. Instead, then we go back into Game 4. Indians absolutely implode. And Game 5, another two errors. And uh, that one got away from the Indians. And they just absolutely fell apart you know their starting pitching was injured and I'm, I'm not I'm not making excuses the Indians fell apart in the in the playoffs and I wanted the Yankees bad I wanted the Celtics bad I wanted to say my team is better than yours I want to hear all you loudmouths talk shit but my team and I believed it in October and I believe it now that my team my Cleveland Cavs Cleveland Indians are better than the teams they're facing and it didn't work, and now I hear it from every angle, and it sucks. It's a it's an awful reminder that I root for the losers. But this series is not over yet with the Cavaliers. You know, back when the Yankees were the underdogs, which, oh my god, that sucked. Like, they are the evil empire. The amount of times I've had to hear 27 rings, or, you know, when growing up, when it was like they won four 
you know, in Jeter's young career, and I was like in grade school and just getting just absolutely hammered with all those, uh, you know, Yankee fans, and they're like, Cleveland, what is that? You know, it's 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 tough to grow up in New Jersey and root for Cleveland sports. So to see them be the underdog and even win as the underdogs, it sucks. It sucks a lot. So that's all I'll say about that for the Yankee side. But for the Celtics side, I don't think these Celtics are as good as those Yankees are. You know, those Yankees were very good. They had like gotten on a hot streak, and I think that's similar to what the Celtics are now. But you know, LeBron is still on the floor, and the Celtics haven't really been playing that well on the road. Now, if we're going off of the first two games, Cavs are in trouble. But if they can use this rest and win game three at home, which they totally can, because I think with LeBron James on the floor, they're the best team. So LeBron, is he going to let them go down 0-3? There's not a lot of panic in the Cleveland circles right now, even though everything should suggest that this series is over. 2-0 Celtics. Cavs need to win four of the next five. Can they do that against a really well-coached team, which would require at least one on the road? Now, if they win both at home, I like their odds of winning two out of three, but they can't slip up at this home home series now this weekend. They play on Saturday and Monday night. They would need to win both, in my opinion. I don't think you can go down 3-1 and expect to win three straight against such a well-coached team. <sighs> I hate making them likable. It's infuriating. You know, like, Marcus Smart is scrappy. He's a little dirty, but for those who said Matthew Della Vadova was dirty, I mean, Marcus Smart's a lot dirtier than Delhi. And he plays a lot more. And he's a lot more aggressive. And I think that's a big part of being dirty, is the intent and the aggression. I would say Della Vadova was reckless. You know, he dove after balls. And he's the guy you love to root for because he's this little white Australian scrappy player that you know you wouldn't think would be on the NBA floor in the NBA Finals. But yeah, you know, that's just who he was. He was everyone's like fan favorite. Now Marcus Smart has a lot of that to him, where but he has like a much better college you know pedigree where he coming out of Oklahoma State and this guy you're thinking wow this is a franchise point guard. And that's really worked out for him that way, but he's still got that like defensive mentality where you love to root for him. I'd love to have him on my team, but it's just it's so classic Boston to be like, you know, to rally behind these guys but hate on anyone that's like you that's not in your uniform. And I'm I know I'm thinking of the of the barstool guys when I think about this. You know, they stick out to me the most, but it's it's infuriating. I know. Prez is out there. He's talking all the shit. He's really burying himself if the Cavs come back in this series. But right now, the Cavs are really up against a wall. They can't afford to lose one of these home games. I think they are must-win games. If they fall down 3-0, I don't see them winning four straight. Uh, I still think they're the better team, which is why I'm not lost on confidence. But game three... They need to win. They they really screwed themselves by not allowing a mistake at home. You know, if they had just one game two, then they'd say just win one of game three or four. You know, win one of the home games. That way, you leave Cleveland tied two two going to game five. And I think they would have won game five if that were the case. Now they're just putting this added pressure on themselves, and I just I just it's frustrating. 
it's infuriating because I've set a high bar for this team. I expect them to be on the championship level. And that's maybe that's my own fault. Or maybe it's, hey, it's LeBron. You know, you've set this record of being at the you know NBA Finals so many years in a row. And they traded Kyrie because he wanted out of town. It was time to back this up. The Kyrie trade has not worked out. I've always said that I think trading Kyrie unfortunately had to happen. I know he was still under contract. I know they could have kept him. But things like that don't work out. When a superstar wants out, you never get the right return. And now after the lottery goes, the Cavs pick eighth. So you get Isaiah Thomas, who they ran out of town real quick. And after they heard about his hip injury, they really should have demanded more from the trade. I don't know why they just went like, okay, we're going to go do it now. And I, I know they wouldn't have been able to get Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I know that's like dream talk there. But they shouldn't have just traded him to Boston knowing they weren't getting even 75 cents on the dollar. If they traded Kyrie to Phoenix or Orlando or the LA Clippers or somewhere just where it didn't matter and you got a young stud and a high pick, we wouldn't have been hearing about this at all. We would have heard Kyrie Irving put up some monster numbers for a no-name team and then he got hurt and missed the end of the season and they're back in the lottery and the Cavs have their lottery pick. That's what we'd be hearing. But instead, it's train him to Boston, your biggest rival right now in the Eastern Conference, and everything is going their way. Everything is going Boston's way right now. And it's just frustrating. We got breaking news. Okay, so I know I was down on the Cavs before, but big news just came in now. Friend of the podcast, I'll keep his name, I don't know if he wants to be known on this podcast, but guy I volunteer with, great guy, big Cleveland sports fan, hooked me up big time with a Parker pass. Uh, I'm, I'm still speechless. Like He just sent me a, tic- a picture with the text of saying, it's in your name, the Jake Brainy card, and saying like, you know, hey, donate here for the, you know, you know, instead of paying me. I'm like, dude, this guy is amazing. It's like, you know, the uh, the best guy you could possibly imagine. So, a little speechless right now that I got this VIP card. I know probably not the biggest deal to anybody outside of the Jersey Shore, but to those who know the area, this is a big deal. So, very excited about that. Don't even remember what I was talking about before. I know we're on the Boston subject. You know, talking about how, hey, they get to play the undercard. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to stay positive for the rest of this podcast. Because the big news is hard knocks. That's right. You think May is not a time to talk football? Well, May 17th rolls around. This has kind of been in the news for a couple weeks. Uh, I think Kyle Kelly broke it uh, like the night before the draft or something where he said they are going to announce on a Thursday, didn't know which Thursday it would be, but it's this Thursday, that the Cleveland Browns will be on hard knocks. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, why the Browns? Like, the Browns suck. Well, you don't care if they stink. You want storylines. You want interesting. What do the Browns have to offer hard knocks? I'll tell you what. Quarterback competition. Tyrod Taylor 
is a brand new quarterback. He took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs last year, and he's now in the new town of Cleveland where they've been searching for the quarterback answer for 20 years. But he's not alone. He will have to compete with the number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield, who won the Heisman, has been told he's too short. He was a walk-on twice in college at two different colleges. He was arrested, and everyone said he's undraftable. He's got an attitude. He grabbed his crotch against Kansas. He's done this. He's done that. He's not an NFL quarterback, but he's taken number one overall. A lot of pressure on this young kid, and now he's not even guaranteed the starting job. He's going to have to go earn it from Tyrod Taylor. Quarterback competition is great to cover. It'll be the number one thing on hard knocks. Number two, a position at wide receiver that has a lot of different characters. Josh Gordon, former Pro Bowler and all-star in everything, all-world receiver when he's healthy, is recovering from alcoholism and addiction. He's been in rehab. He's been suspended for the better part of the last three-plus years. He came back at the end of the year, showed that he's still got it. With a full off season away and just training on football and focusing, is he going to make that next step and be the guy that we once saw? Time will tell. I think that will be the most interesting of all the storylines. And it's the one I'm hoping plays out the most because I am a big fan. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the Browns, but I also want to see the best for him, too. You know, he's still got some good years of football left. And I think if he really comes out and has a great year this year, he'll be rewarded with a good contract next year. They also bring in a big time, like, social media presence and four times, or I don't know how many pro, I think he has three pro bowlers in Jarvis Landry. Brand new addition to the team. He, I'm a big fan because like I've had him in fantasy football like every year. Big catch guy, slot guy. He'll be on screen a lot. Then they have two younger wide receivers. Corey Coleman, who's been battling injuries, former first round pick. He's going to get some screen time as the, like, does he still have it? Something to prove. He's now got to earn his stripes. Corey Coleman's going to be on the field for a lot of this. And rookie wide receiver Antonio Callaway, suspended in college, had that credit card fraud thing, failed a drug test at the, at, the, uh, at the combine, was considered undraftable by a lot of teams. Is this stuff behind him, or is he on his way to recovery? Is he going to be the steal of the draft? Those are four guys at one position that are going to warrant a lot of screen time. Young tight end and David Njoku, that's a lot of fun to watch. If you've watched Building the Browns, you you will like this guy. Pretty good offensive line, not a lot of story to tell there. I'm sure there will be something, though. They have a three-headed monster at running back, rookie Nick Chubb, who is big time at Georgia, who came back from a big injury. Uh, they have Carlos Hyde, who's returning home to Ohio and is a Ohio State Buckeye. And, of course, Duke Johnson, who's one of the more underrated receiving running backs. That offense alone has a lot of things to talk about. Not to mention the former number one overall pick, Miles Garrett, who is a freak athlete and will for sure be highlighted as that freak, perfect body, slow-mo working out videos. Then they also have Jamie Collins, who is the former Patriot that was cast aside. Christian Kirksey, who's shown to be like a big-time drummer and loves like the, the Cleveland scene and everything, he'll be someone to watch. And they brought in like five new D-backs. 
They have the cursing head coach and Greg or uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams and Todd Haley at offensive coordinator. Those guys will be plenty to watch. And Hugh Jackson is still here after going one and thirty-one and zero and sixteen. They're going to open this show with him jumping into Lake Erie like he promised he would. There is a lot to talk about with this Browns team. If you don't think you're they're interesting, you just don't know the NFL because they the Browns might be the most interesting team in the NFL. They have the most storylines. I know teams will have storylines around better players and more established positions, but the Browns have so much to talk about. I just rambled off what August is going to be. They they're going to have so much content to work with. Not to mention Injuries arise. They're going to have the typical, will the guy make the team? Will the guy not make the team? But that's going to be like at the back end. It's not going to be like when the Bengals uh, thing was around. It was like the third thing people were paying attention to was, is this linebacker going to make the team? It's like, no, this whoever D-back they're going to be covering for the Browns for is he going to make the team? He's going to be like the last storyline. There is so much to talk about. Not to mention the LOL Browns that Twitter loves to talk about all the time. Tell you what, we're going to see, you know, ESPN, Fox, all those like big time coverage things, they just see the Browns and they go, LOL, they're 0-16, they're 1-31, they stink, look at all the interceptions they throw, look at all the bad plays, the low light reels, and I get it. It's the low-hanging fruit of the NFL. It's the low-hanging fruit of sports world in general. It's so easy to talk about, but after this, you know what? You're going to be better educated on how to make fun of the Browns, and I'm proud. I'm proud that all my troll friends will have more material now. Or you get turned around and you say, you know what? Maybe the Browns are doing the right thing here. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe uh, I'm just getting a little excited and a little ahead of myself, and I definitely am. But a lot to look forward to. And uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about Hard Knocks plenty on this podcast come August. Okay. Wow. That was some segment. Love talking Cleveland sports. Uh, Talked plenty about the Cavs. I still think they're in this next week. This could be over, and we could be saying, wow, uh, LeBron's era in Cleveland is done. Or we could be saying, hey, uh, this is a brand new series, and we're looking at Golden State coming up or Houston. I don't know. But I do know that it's not worth any tears. It's not worth all the frustration that I've given it, especially when this is Brownstown. And even though the Tribe are just 500 right now and really showing the worst bullpen in the MLB, that... They're probably going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be another really good team. And it's fun watching a team that has MVP candidates that are 25 years old. And they have Cy Young, you know, winner in Kyle uh, and Corey Kluber, who's won it two times and could easily win it a third time this year. They have multiple all-star pitchers. Trevor Bauer is really coming out of his shell. Carlos Carrasco is probably the fourth best starting pitcher in the rotation right now. And Mike Clevenger is really starting to show the rest of the league that, hey, I'm not just a end-of-the-rotation guy. I'm possibly a three or a two. Really exciting stuff for the Indians. There'll be a lot of coverage this summer. Uh, I'm not too worried about their slow start right now. I know they're like 21 and 21. They're still in first place, which is just to show how bad the division is. But 
I think they're going to improve. They're going to make a couple additions to the bullpen, and you're going to say, hmm, you know what? This team's ready to go. I mean, just look at the Yankees. Last year, their bullpen, come playoff time, didn't look anything like it did in the early seasons. They really turned it around to make a great bullpen. So I think the Indians, we got a lot of a lot of work to do, but I'm very confident in that team. I'm more confident in that team than the Cavs to turn around and the Browns to turn around, and I'm still confident about those teams too. So a lot of good things coming up. Now, before I get to... I get, I'll stay on the sport topic for uh, one more segment. You know, there was something uh, everyone was talking about. It was the top sporting events you wish Twitter was around for. I thought this was really interesting because this doesn't have to be an actual game or a match or uh, event. It could be something as like <laughs> the Bronco chase, you know, OJ. Could you imagine all the memes that would come from the OJ trace? That would be insane. How about, uh, I mean, just the rise of any athletes that we've come to know today. Some really big stuff. So, my top five sporting events that I wish Twitter was around for. Number one, or no, we'll start with five. And I'll keep this, uh, I'll, I'll keep going around on a couple of this. How about the Joe Namath guarantee? Wouldn't that be something the first time a professional athlete guaranteed victory? I mean, it happens a lot now. You see it from both sides of things. Yeah, you see guarantees all the time. You know, and you see it from both sides of things. But wouldn't it be something to be there for the first one ever? I think that's pretty cool. Uh, next one, how about the band on the field? Cal Stanford. Wouldn't that just be an absolute gold mine of... Just just like craziness, a band running onto the field in the middle of a game or something. It's it's lives in infamy because it was still on TV and there's still great pictures from it and all, but that would be one that I would love Twitter for. Uh, number three. Boy, I know this is uh, I know this is kind of like a like a, a bigger one, but how about when Jesse Owens won the Olympics? Uh, at the Olympics, I forget what kind of race it was in, but uh uh, it kind of like in the face of Adolf Hitler. That would just be like, I mean, that's beyond sports. That's on like a world level right there. Number two, I would have Jackie Robinson. I think just the whole spectacle of Jackie Robinson uh, coming into the league, and and I mean that would be that would be the one event that really sticks out. But number one, kind of has a special place in American history. Uh, I know that Jackie Robinson, you know, took on a. An, basically impossible task and that would be uh that would be just an absolute wild thing but my number one would be you know and this is and, and a lot of things you know this it could have been you know how about muhammad ali's career or tiger woods you know when he was just coming up and taking the golf world by storm there are a lot of cleveland sports events that i'd like to include on this but uh you know, it just it doesn't have the same measure as these that have like literally like political and world ties, which is why number one is clearly Miracle on Ice. I think that would have been something, you know, with America versus like, you know, the Soviet Union, the fact that there are a bunch of these like teenagers playing for us and taking down like the Goliath, the, like the biggest ever David versus Goliath scenario. I think that's why that would be my number one sporting event that I wish Twitter was around for. I think you can go a lot of different ways here. T uh, comment on the link, comment on the Facebook page, and whatever, wherever you're, you're 
you know, listening to this from, comment what you think was the one sporting event that you thought, man, I really wish Twitter was around for that. I would have loved to seen the outcry. And I know I'm, I'm using titter, Twitter as the vessel, but what if you could be around for it? You know, you can even go roll with that one. So interesting to see where other people are coming from. Maybe it's a personal thing, like your favorite team that you wish you saw. Maybe like if you're a Yankee fan, you wish you saw that for like the Babe Ruth days. Uh, hey, no wrong answers here because everybody uh, sees sports differently. So it's, that I think is a really fun argument to have. I went kind of with the political ones, the bigger like national news instead of just like from my teams, but really exciting stuff. All right. Had a lot going on the last few weeks, you know, but movies are also, summer blockbusters are coming up. We got a new Star Wars movie coming out, which you thought maybe would have come out on uh, on a uh, Friday, May fourth, the Star Wars day. May the fourth be with you. Kind of missed a kind of missed an opportunity there. That would have been hmm, that, that kind of could have been something they would have went with. But really excited for the new Solo movie. Really excited for Deadpool two, which comes out, I believe, tomorrow. That would be fun. And then later in the summer, you got plenty of stuff coming up. But this year was always about Infinity War. You had the biggest Marvel ensemble yet. Basically, everybody that's been in one of these movies was accredited to this movie. Uh, not everybody made their appearances like like they said they were going to. A few people were left out, but the uh, the the movie did not disappoint. So, spoiler alert! I can't make that more clear. I am about to talk about Avengers: Infinity War in my one minute movie review. Let's see how I do. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so one minute movie review starting right now. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Uh, Avengers Infinity War. I, I loved Thanos. I thought Josh Brolin nailed it out of the park. He made him not just like a villain, but like the end game villain. You know, in a lot of these movies, you think, oh, that's a pretty good bad guy. This is, this is the bad guy. And Brolin's voice perfect for it. Now, I, I knew going into the movie that uh, there was something was going to happen because uh, walking in, some kid goes, oh, I can't believe Spider-Man dies. And I, I, I held it all together because I was going to lose it, but I thought, nope, Jake, nope, just go and watch the movie. And if you've seen the movie, you understand the whole like disintegration of all like the, like the half the world. I was very bummed that they kept the originals and they got rid of every new character that came in. You know, uh, all the Guardians were gone except for Rocket. Uh, you had Thor stayed, Iron Man stayed, Captain America stayed, but all of Cap's buddies are gone. You had uh, uh, Black Panther's gone. You had, uh, uh, I mean, like, oh, well, they did. They did kill off Vision, they, but Natasha. Uh, stayed so it just seemed and, and Hulk stayed like it seemed like all of the originals were safe which I get it maybe they'll be in the next movie they never showed Carol Danvers which was a real bummer I really thought uh, Brie Larson would make an appearance in the movie they just ended the end uh, credit scene with uh, like the distress call from Nick Fury to her but I uh, I really did want to see kind of you know them introduce her a little bit more but she wasn't at all I saw it twice. I went to go see the movie again last night because I wanted to see if I missed anything. It is funny. I mean, I think the best part about this whole Marvel Universe right now is the Guardians. 
uh, I was like heartbroken when they killed off Gamora. I she had become one of my like favorite characters, and I like that storyline more, the her and Peter Quill one. I don't know if they're going to be able to bring her back. Big thing I noticed, the whole uh, Doctor Strange giving up the Time Stone. He said this was the only way. And that goes back, or he says this. there was no other way. And I'm thinking that was in reference to I did the 14 million searches of how this is get to get done. And the only way, when he said one way we win, I think that's why. I think he said he saw that path and he said for us to win, he needs to do the snapping of the of the fingers thing. He needs to win. Uh, Thanos needs to win first and we can win later. And uh, it's going to come down to Tony on how we can figure that out and Carol Danvers and whoever's left over because it's kind of like a skeleton crew. I mean, not to mention Tony's stuck on Titan right now with, you know, with Nebula and really no way of getting home. So that should be also another interesting one. Anyway, the movie was aces. I mean, I know I get crap for always giving my one minute movie reviews either tens or zeros. This is a 10. This is a great movie. I had so much fun watching it both times around. It's long, but it doesn't feel long because you're always jumping from one scene to another. Thor going with uh, with Rocket was a lot of fun. And just like the whole Thor storyline is so cool. And the Guardians of the Galaxy is the most fun. The others kind of like took a, a back seat to these in this one. Uh, what took Thor so long? That was another thing. Like he could have got to Thanos before he got the Mind Stone, but whatever. Not going to harp on that much. But if you haven't seen it, well, I don't know why you're still listening if you haven't seen it. Uh, but, I, yeah, I guess you know, if you haven't seen it and you just listen to that whole thing, you should probably go see it anyway uh, because it's just an awesome movie. It was so good. And I think next week I'll probably talk about Deadpool 2 because I see myself seeing that. Or I might see this a third time. I know friends that want to see it. So who knows? Maybe that'll be the play. But one minute movie review. 10.0 for Avengers. It was so good. Oh, I'm going to see this movie like five times. I already know it. It was it was great. I, I had a, a lot of fun. So, all right. I think that's it for this week. Kept it to a clean, like, 45-minute episode, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, thank you all for joining. I know I've been off the airwaves for a couple weeks now. I thank you for your continued support of the Jake Podcast, and I know that Season 2 is going to be even better than Season 1. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you before our Memorial Day weekend preview. Ooh, that'll be fun. Take care.